You're listening to the 1208 Podcast from 1208 Greenwood Free Methodist Church in downtown Jackson, Michigan. All right, we've been going through a series on Luke, and today we have found ourselves in a passage that's already been read, but let me read it for you one more time as we hop back into it. It's a passage where Jesus knows what's ahead of him. He's known about it for a while. In fact, uh, I think in Luke, he's told the disciples like three times before already, and they always miss the point. Like, you don't understand, guys. I'm going to be killed. I'm going to be murdered. I'm going to be hung on a cross. I'm going to be dead for three days. He keeps trying to tell them this truth, and they keep on missing it. Because in their minds, like, God's going to do something super glorious, and death is not going to be a part of that plan. But Jesus has to face the truth that, that he knows it's coming. And it seems like he's the only one who knows that it's coming. And you got to imagine how hard that must be. You got to imagine how hard it must be to be like the one person that's aware of what's going on, how hard it's going to be, and you've actually tried to tell other people around you so they'll pray into it with you, so they'll be there with you in it, but they think it's so ridiculous that they don't ever actually listen to what you have to say. In fact, at this point, it seems like disciples, like they've had a really good Passover meal, they're having a good time, they've been eating, maybe they've been drinking a bit because they're very tired at this point, uh, and... and uh, in Jesus's time of need, where he's really dealing with the, the biggest weight that he's ever felt of this, this feeling that he's going to die, the disciples aren't there for him. So let's reread this passage in Luke. If you want to read along, you can. I'm in Luke 22, verse 39. I'm in the ESV, if that's helpful to you. If it's easier, just listen like it is for me, then feel free to do that. And he came out and went, as was his custom, to the Mount of Olives. And the disciples followed him. When he came to the place, he said to them, Pray that you may not enter into temptation. And he withdrew from them about a stone's throw and knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And there appeared to him an angel from heaven, strengthening him. And being in an agony, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. And when he rose from prayer, he came to the disciples and found them sleeping for sorrow. And he said to them, why are you sleeping? Rise and pray that you may not enter into temptation. Now, this passage is told different ways in different Gospels. In Luke's particular version, I think it's the only version where an angel is mentioned having met with, with Jesus to minister to him. Other versions are really going to talk about, like, Jesus' um, great agony to, like, he keeps kind of isolating himself. At one moment, he's with all the disciples, and then he takes just a select few, and they go further in. But then Jesus goes even further in by himself because... You know, he still can't seem to, to do it with all the noise, with all this. And then he comes back to find the people that he's, he's left to be praying, just sleeping. And then he goes back to pray alone. And then he comes back to find him sleeping again. Like Jesus is alone, alone in his pain and his misery. 
And oftentimes we read other things that Jesus says, like, don't be anxious. And we're like, well, Jesus was never anxious then. But this story right here, I mean, he's alone. He's on his own. The disciples don't understand what's happening. The disciples don't really pick up on all the very, like, straight-to-their-face things that Jesus says about what's about to happen. And so Jesus continues to pray into it. And I, I think we limit Jesus on um, his emotion here a lot of times. I think we think he's just being religious. Like when he's like, God, if there's some other way that we can go about this, can we do that? But, you know, not my will, but your will be done. Because he's Jesus. He's God in flesh. Like he's got no problem conforming him, his mind to himself, right? Like, it couldn't have been that hard. He's probably just trying to make us all feel good. Like, even I had a bad day, you guys. Even I had to ask God what was really going on. But that is not the way that this story is told, especially in Luke. Luke, who likes to document as many factual things as he can because he's very particular about the way he writes his gospel. Luke right here shows us a Jesus who is praying so hard he's like bleeding out his forehead does that sound like somebody who thinks eh, not my will but your will no that's someone like come on god another way please any other way is there an, is is there another way i mean i'll do whatever you want but is this actually it like i've, I've been i've been telling the disciples this is it and and i think it is but like have have you been waiting out for the last minute like is something going to change or could you change it right now? Like, is there a different way we can go? Because I've seen the way that they crucify people, Father. And like, if, if that's going to happen to me, you know how bad that's going to be, right? Like, sure, there's a lot of people that have enjoyed me, but a lot of people here really hate me. They're probably going to go the extra mile on how they crucify me. Are you sure this is the way? Is, is there not, like, am I reading <laughs> the Bible wrong? Am I looking at all the prophecies you've given me and like you're about to flip the script? Like it's, it's actually going to be like resurrection just as they're about to crucify me. Suddenly, immortal body. You know, like Jesus is maybe thinking through all the different ways this could go down. Maybe different ways he could interpret prophecies about himself. Maybe different ways in which he knows God has changed his mind throughout the scriptures before. Would this be a time where he changes it again? One king who's told he's going to die and he's got this much time left and then he prays and then God says, no, you can live longer. Maybe Jesus is hoping for the same thing. Okay, maybe it's the crucifixion, but maybe we wait a little longer, a little more time for ministry and all this good stuff you're doing. What's all going through Jesus' mind? We forget that God made himself human. He's not omniscient. He does not know the fullness of what the Father knows. So what ways is he interpreting this moment? But Jesus ultimately has to lean into the signs that he's given. I think this is important. Uh, this, is, this is what really stood out to me in this passage. It's that Luke records this, this angel that shows up to talk to Jesus. It's different. Angels don't show up a lot in the Bible. Old Testament and New, like it happens a lot as in the Bible as a whole, but it's pretty sporadic throughout the whole thing. But Jesus has a visitation with an angel in this moment. 
He's looking for signs. He's trying to understand, is this really going to be the way that we have to go? And usually when you have an angel show up, who are messengers, that's what angel literally means. It means messenger. Well, that, that's very helpful to discerning what way you have to go. And then, of course, you have to wonder, since angels are just kind of like mailmen of the cosmos, was this angel like, here's what I've been told to tell you, Jesus, but I, I don't know that, you know, maybe read it a different way. Maybe it's, you know, I can't imagine you being on the cross. All the angels up there are confused by this, <laughs> you know. This must be like a moment across like the entire cosmos of just confusion. Certainly was in the underworld. Paul says that if the, if the principalities and powers knew what was going to happen when they crucified Jesus, they would have never done it. So like for them, it seemed like, yes, this is a win. We killed him. It's over. And then, surprise, oh, this wasn't what we were, we fell into a trap. It was a bait and switch. It was a Trojan horse. The cross was a Trojan horse. He used it to get in hell, and then he stole the keys from us while he was there and left. You know, like we weren't expecting that to happen. Was Jesus expecting that to happen? Or did he have to continue to follow the nudges as to what to do while he's in Hades? <laughs> okay, God, I'm here. What, what's next? <laughs> It's very dark down here. But God shows up time and time again with signs to push him in the right direction. And I think God wants to do that for you. Now, obviously God's God, and he's going to tell us whatever he decides to tell us. We cannot force a word from God to come. Like, he's, he's in charge of whether that comes or not. But I think the more that we train ourselves to listen to the Holy Spirit, the more apt we are to find that he wants to speak to us when we are in our most difficult moments. I think we'll find that he likes to give signs to help us figure out where we're headed. And again, that's, that's not always the case. You look at Job. Job had no signs. He just held to the fact that he, he believed there was injustice on his life until God proved him true in the end. But there's times with like Jesus where he's desperately praying for answers and an angel shows up and the words that he's heard before over and over again are solidified and he knows what he has to step into. Have you had those moments in your life? Maybe they're not even like the crazy dark moments. Maybe it's just like in general, when you look at your life, you see signs and directions as to moments where God spoke into it that kept you on a path. Like me, for example, I uh, was on a spiritual retreat this past week because I had to for a class. I'm so spiritual. I do it when I'm forced to, right? Uh, I'm on a spiritual retreat, and as I'm out there, um, a dream I had a while back came to mind. I am on my last year of seminary right now for my master's, and I went to it kind of on a whim. Uh, I was at a conference, and there was just a table at the conference that had a social justice and theology master's. I was like, well, I feel like I have to do that. That just really hits me in things that I love, and I didn't know that such a thing existed. So like, somehow, and like two weeks later, I was registered in, in a class, and like another week after that. I was like, okay, well, I guess we're doing this now. So here I am in class thinking I'd taken this on a whim, thinking I'm just going with it. And I had a dream sometime later 
Um, didn't feel overly spiritual, but there was something to it that made me pause where in the dream I was driving a car, my GPS had like a mystery map. Uh, there was an X somewhere that I was headed to and I didn't, didn't know where it was or why I was doing it. But as I drove and pulled up, I got out of the car, I walked in this random building and then my class started that I didn't know was supposed to start. And I was like, well, I have homework due. <laughs> I didn't know this was going on. And then I woke up sometime shortly after that. But like that part of the dream really stuck out to me. And I paused to say, you know, this thing that I hopped into that I thought was on a whim, is this dream God trying to speak to me saying, hey, I know you think that this was just a whim. I know you think it was coincidence, but I've actually called you in this time and in this place to be doing this thing and had you set up to be there right when you needed to be there. And so then I pause and begin to pray more about that. Okay, well, why would you have me there? You know, on this spiritual retreat, I'm reflecting on this. If this was possibly a sign in which you were saying to do this, then what more do I do? If you care about this element of education, is there more after it? Or is this the moment? And why do you care about this? And so I begin to think about the possible sign, lean into the sign, and pray about the sign. And of course, discern the sign. Is this God? Is this me? Is this something else? Like, just to sort through that. That right there is an example of just kind of on a whim going into something and then the Spirit speaking into it. But oftentimes I've found him speaking into really hard moments. Like um, as I've gotten into a lot of deliverance ministry, there have been some really crazy moments where I have not known what to do there have been moments where I have been driving in my car, like kind of scream praying. It's a very holy technique. I'll teach you sometime. Like it goes kind of like, God, what is going on? You know, it's kind of like that. <clears throat> if you ever hear me preach some Sunday and I'm out of voice, I, I might have been practicing the sacred art of scream praying recently. Um, but in those moments, like there have been like crucial moments. If you don't show up, I don't know where to go from here or what's gonna happen, and he shows up with yet another sign. In fact, on one of my apps, I have a, a list of signs <laughs> when it comes to deliverance, of things that all add up over a long course of time to help me understand that I'm on the right track with whatever I'm doing so that I can continue to keep my eyes focused on what Jesus wants. In fact, that was a word that I felt him give me during spare oom one night is, I was just like struggling trying to sort through things and I felt like he just spoke to my heart and just said very quietly, baptize your ears. Baptize your ears. Pay attention to me and me only. And then, just to add to that sign, you know what word I woke up to on this spiritual retreat? I got a text from someone in which uh, they sensed at like the middle of the night that God just told them, Jamie and I was praying, and I, I felt like God said these words, and I'm afraid to type them, but I felt like God said, stop being a butt. <laughs> stop being a butt. I have told you what I want you to do. And that was my list of proofs <laughs> that I was, I was like, oh, I mean, he's told me time and time again, stop being a butt. I've told you what to do. Like, I'm, I'm Gideon, you know? Gideon who needs, like, a bunch of miraculous signs to, to know that they're going the right way. 
Gideon uh, comes before the angel of the Lord and has a conversation with him, and God does a miraculous sign so that Gideon knows that he's stepping into the kinds of things God's calling him to. And then Gideon after is like, that was pretty miraculous. Hey, could you do it again but different, you know? And God, in his kindness, does it again. And you got to wonder, like, how many times Gideon would keep moving forward with this if he wasn't pushed into what he had to do. If he didn't finally take a step of faith into what he had to do. Do we listen? Do we pray? Is the way that you always pray simply asking God to um, do something genie-rific? Is that a word, genie-rific? Thank you, Kayla. Kayla agrees it's a word. You know, is God your own personal genie? God, I come before you right now. This person's sick. This person's sick. This person's goldfish died, and I just need you to be with them right now. Is that your prayers? Are they all genie-focused? Like, I just need you to step in and do something. Or do you pray like Jesus, which is conversational in this case? Father, not my will, but your will be done. Is there another way we could go about this, though? And then pause to listen. And in his case, the signs show between the angel and all the things that he's had in his list of proofs before, this is the right way. You never know what's going to happen on the other side of those things, though. Like even for Jesus, like nobody saw it coming. Resurrection? A mortal life ascending into heaven? The story Jesus was telling was incredible. The story God wanted to tell through the thing that Jesus was calling, uh, through what he was calling Jesus into, was absolutely incredible. And those are the kinds of stories that I often find when I continue to follow the signs. Like, I don't know how to explain them sometimes on the other end. It's just as though things lined up because God was there through it all. I think of Brother Yun, who had to follow impossible signs and the kinds of things that happened to him. He was, uh, he was in a maximum security cell with crushed legs. He was a Christian in an area where being Christian was not allowed. And the Holy Spirit made it clear to him over time that he was going to escape. And finally, the moment came where the Holy Spirit told him, all right, now's the time. And he was probably a bit flabbergasted. He had to go through three iron gates and three floors, passed by six armed guards, all around eight in the morning when the prison guards were the most active. So he had a conversational prayer, and he said, Lord, you have shown me that I must leave this prison. I will obey you now and try to escape. But when the guards shoot me, please receive me into heaven. <laughs> so he got out of his cell by asking to go to the bathroom. As he headed toward the first gate, uh, he found that there was another fellow Christian that the gate was being opened for, and he walked right through it. As the guard uh, that was there went to answer a ringing telephone. And then Yun made his way to the second gate, which was open with a guard standing right in front of it. And then he felt God say, go now, the God of Peter is your God. And if you remember that story, God helps Peter escape from prison. So the Holy Spirit tells Yun this, and as he approaches it, the guard doesn't even notice him. It was like he was invisible. So he walked through the gate. He continued downstairs to the final most secure gate. And he found, uh, he found it open and none of the guards present. 
So he walked right through it, <laughs> and he passed by more guards in the courtyard, and then walked right out the main gate of the prison, which was also left open. And immediately at that point, a taxi pulled up and asked him where he was headed. So he got in, and he took it to a friend's house. And when he arrived there, the daughter who was home at that friend's house said, Yesterday the Holy Spirit told my mother, I will release Yun, and the first place he will stop will be your home. You'll stay for a short time, and we'll pray with you. My parents told us to expect your arrival, and we have organized a secret place for you to hide. Nobody knows of the place except us. My mother has already prepared some food and clothes for you. He was then given a bike and was guided by a friend down some alleys to avoid the roadblocks that had been set out to find him. It was at that moment that Yun realized another miracle. His legs, which were crushed and hadn't worked, were working. He was riding a bike. He hadn't even noticed that all that had happened. Now, that's like sign after sign after sign. But he would not see the signs if he did not walk into what he felt the Holy Spirit saying. He would still be in that prison, and he'd probably be dead. But instead, in that moment of incredible difficulty where you don't know which way it's going to go, he listened. He stepped out in faith, and crazy things happened. These kinds of stories are hard for us because we don't always know what's on the other side, right? I wonder Jesus hanging on the cross, like he's been on the side where it, it feels like it all has gone wrong. I wonder when Jesus cries out, Father, why have you forsaken me? Like, does he actually feel like, Father, I, I secretly thought you were going to show up and do something else. I, I wondered if... If, if this would go differently than it did, even though you said this was it, I still wondered. Like, what is behind Jesus feeling forsaken in that moment? What's going through his mind? You've been there. You've been in those kinds of places. Maybe not crucified on a cross, but it feels like the whole world has turned against you. It feels like God's not even around. You've been there where you feel like you were in a difficult situation and God started calling something. He started showing signs that things were going to go better. And then it, in the end, didn't. And those are hard. Those are times where our faith struggles the most. But if God can bring about resurrection through a crucified man on a cross... What can he bring about as you walk in faith in the signs that he's given you? Don't hear me wrong. Everything in your life is not a sign. I know we get hung up on those kinds of things. But if you are actively praying and teaching yourself how to listen to the Holy Spirit, I think you'll find that he speaks a whole lot more than you thought he did. That's what we found in Spare Um over the months as we've continued to worship and pray together is that the Spirit has a lot to say to us in those moments because we've taken a lot of time to pause and listen and speak it out. And it's through that that he raises us up into to new levels of new life that bring about new heavenly opportunities. For me, it's, it's part of the reason that 12 weights even still here. 
that sign of a cherry blossom tree that we've been populating with blossoms as we do ministry. A time where we felt like we were all falling apart and COVID had ended it. And yet God spoke into that to say, nah, I've seen what you guys have been up to. There's renewal for you. Repent and move forward. And so we do that. I wonder without that boost from the Holy Spirit, if we all would have just said, you know, I think it's time. So let me say a prayer for you as we wrap up here. And you can go ahead and take that same thing that we talked about earlier, whatever that is in your hands that uh, just feels like you've been hanging on to, that difficulty that um, it's hard to trust with God. And I want you to just ask him right now if there have been any signs that he's given you around this thing that you're holding. And you can also ask him for a new one right now. Is there anything he wants to say to you about this thing you're holding? Holy Spirit, would you continue to speak into this throughout the day and weeks ahead? Would you give us direction, signs? Would you speak to us as we speak to you to help us understand what we're supposed to be doing and how to do it? Jesus, I recognize that every moment that we step into is not just perfectly orchestrated for us that we make lots of decisions and I know that there's times where where we would come to you with a question and say Jesus do I do this or this and you wouldn't answer because maybe both both things are appropriate you want us in some ways to to exercise our own thoughts and feelings and authority and you just want to couple with us while we do that when we're walking in, in specific ways. But there are some things, like for Jesus it was the cross, where you really needed help keeping him on track. And the places in our lives where you need to keep us on track, would, would you give us the signs? Would you give us the understandings of what we're doing? Would we hear you speak to those things? And teach us to listen well. Now, we might be surprised that in our most darkest, deepest, blood-sweating moments, that you might even send an angel to give instructions. Because you are a God who speaks, and you are a God who cares. So be with us. Teach us more. And as we walk with you, would you help us to bring heaven to Jackson more and more with every step? In Jesus' name, amen.